guys, what is good? This is Morgan Mueller coming at you with the Joy and Hope podcast, where we seek to bring light to the dark. We actually have each of these episodes begin as a YouTube video. So if you would like to watch the original content on YouTube, search my name, Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N, Mueller, M-U-E-L-L-E-R, on YouTube, look for the Joy and Hope logo. But otherwise, thanks for being here. Enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, Morgan here. And Kirsten. Bringing you another episode of Joy Joy and and Hope. Hope. (laughs) Guys, this is my lovely friend, Kirsten. If you are wondering, no, we did not plan to both have buns today. (laughs) It's just that kind of hair day because it's very windy outside. Mm -hmm. And so here we are. We're just like so in sync (laughs) is really what it is. Um, yeah, but guys, this is my friend Kirsten, and we are so, so glad, we being the royal we, me, myself, and I, we are so glad (laughs) that she is here. Um, I met Kirsten, what, two months ago in Kansas City at a young adult women's event, um, and it was awesome. It was this beautiful little, like, kind of garden party, Mm -hmm. prayer group thing, and it was lovely. And she's lovely, and life is just (laughs) lovely. And we're here to talk about a part of that. That's really important. But before we get into all that, I wanted to also thank Kirsten in a very special way for becoming a saint patron for Joy and Hope on Patreon. If you are not familiar with Patreon, it's a platform where artists, podcasters, YouTube creators, etc., nonprofits, so on and so forth, can gain funding for their ministries. And so that is what Joy and Hope is largely funded through and what allows me to do this ministry full time. So Kirsten just became a $25 patron. Praise be to God. I'm so grateful for her support, for yeah. her amazing just generosity. Um, and I just want to say shout out to all of my patrons who have joined the Joy and Hope journey, you are what make it possible for me to carry out my mission of bringing light to the dark in this way. So for those of you who have not become patrons, I encourage you to consider becoming a patron here at Joy and Hope because I was looking at funding a little bit this past week and realized that if I don't double the amount of patrons I have by the end of the year, I likely won't be able to do this full-time anymore. So I currently have 34 patrons on Patreon, which means I'm hoping to have 68, if not 70, because that's always more fun to have like a bigger bar. Yeah. <laughs> um, go big or go home, right? Mm-hmm. So hoping for 70 patrons by the end of this year, 2020. Um, so if you have not joined the journey in this way, please see the link below, patreon.com slash Morgan Mueller. Um, to learn a little bit more about how you can support Joy and Hope monthly, whether that's $3, $9, $25, or a different amount that you choose. You don't have to choose one of those membership tiers, even though those are what they're set on. But yeah, please prayerfully consider doing so. And thank you to all those who have. And before we get into the episode for today, let's pray. Yeah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Totus tuus Maria, ego sum, I am totally yours, Mary. So, we have Kirsten here today to talk about something very 
important, something that is very relevant in not only our church, but in our world today. So this episode is called From Protestantism to Catholicism, Healing a Divided Church. Because the church is very divided. Yes. And we are here to talk about that and have Mm -hmm. an open dialogue. Um, And we're going to get into some deep stuff with that. So before we dive into that, we're just going to get to know a little fun fact about Kirsten. So what is your fun fact that has happened most recently in your life, Kirsten? So I got a cat last week. Um, (laughs) His name is Cheeto. He's a little orange tabby. He is a senior. Uh, We don't actually know how old he is, but the vet thinks that he's at least 15 years old. So I wanted to get an older cat because whenever I would go to shelters, they were always the last ones to get adopted. And I felt like, because kittens are just so cute, everybody Mm -hmm. focuses their attention on them. So yeah, he's been great. He sleeps in my arms every night. He is a purr machine and (laughs) I love him so much. He's he follows me around everywhere I go. He rubs up against my legs when I'm cooking or just, you know, little things. So I'm really enjoying that companionship. That's awesome. Is yeah. he orange? I forget. Yeah, he's, he's like Cheeto. orange and white. Mm. Cheeto, yeah. It wasn't the name I chose. <laughs> but the foster mom that had him before, she had a Facebook group with photos of him. And the name of the Facebook group was Crunchy Cheeto. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's adorable yeah, well I kind of want to eat them too sometimes so it's relatable <laughs> that's awesome but yeah so she recently got Cheeto which is so fun because Kirsten if you haven't already been able to tell has a heart of gold so <laughs> thank you yeah and you that's too. why she's here today so let's now dive right in I have my little note for how this is gonna work so forgive me for those of you watching this as a video if I look away at a couple points but Okay, so since the title of this video is From Protestantism to Catholicism, Healing a Divided Church, we are going to talk about what first, like, Protestantism is, what Catholicism is, both very briefly and in little nutshells, just so we're all on the same page. So the first source that we're going to use for this comes from... The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, they published this article by the Council, or this was published by the Council on Foreign Relations within the USCCB. It was written by Victor, I think, Gaten is how you say that? G-A-E-T-A-N. He is the international correspondent for the National Catholic (laughs) Register. Slow down, Morgan. Hashtag humility. (laughs) And the article is called The Church Undivided. So, we're going to start off with this, which came from, I believe, the, the website said 2013. So, this is where we're operating from. So, Victor writes, Christianity is mending a number of internal, long standing ruptures. In the 11th century, the faith splintered into the Western Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church. The 16th century Protestant Reformation further damaged Christian unity. Christianity is divided into three main groups. Roman Catholics, 
who number 1.2 billion, approximately 50% of all Christians worldwide. Protestants, who are divided into thousands of denominations and together number 801 million, or 37% of the global total. And Orthodox Christians, who make up 12% of Christians. As these churches have grown in recent years, they've also grown closer together. Ecumenism, the movement to unify Christianity, is on the rise, partly in response to secularization, which tends to marginalize Christianity's relevance, and partly in response to a recent escalation in violence against Christians around the world. A shared sense of vulnerability has drawn Christians closer together. The Second Vatican Council, a three-year assembly convened in the early 1960s, made broad Christian unity possible. One of the council's key documents, Unitatis Redintegratio, I don't know, I don't know how to say that, but it means restoration of unity in English, issued in 1964, identified restoration of unity among all Christians as a key long-term goal. The document described baptized Christians who profess faith in another church as separated brethren, not as heretics, the term commonly used for centuries prior. Broadly speaking, Protestantism, which began as a reaction to corruption in to corruption in Rome, makes four main claims against Catholic theology. First, Protestants believe that salvation is obtained through faith in Jesus Christ, whereas Catholics hold that salvation is an ongoing event in which God's grace creates faith and inspires good works. Second, Protestantism rejects the Catholic hierarchy of bishops led by the Pope. Bishops, I said that weird. Third, Protestantism holds that the Bible alone is enough to guide the faithful whereas Catholics believe that church teachings and writings throughout history are also authoritative. Fourth, most Protestant denominations interpret the Eucharist as a symbolic representation of Christ's sacrifice, whereas Catholics believe the Eucharist is the real presence of Christ. Given these doctrinal differences, it was surprising when in 1999 the pontifical Pontifical Council for Promoting Christian Unity and the Lutheran World Federation, which represents 70.5 million Lutherans in 79 countries, signed a joint statement establishing a common understanding of our justification by God's grace through faith in Christ. This phrase overcame almost 500 years of theological dispute and paved the way for a shared future. The statement also nullified past mutual condemnations, and in 2006, the World Methodist Council, representing 80 million people worldwide, voted unanimously to sign the agreement as well. In search for common purpose among Catholics, Orthodox Christians, and Protestants has advanced also in reaction to broad global trends. In the developed world, where Christianity is threatened by secularization and materialism, the forces that unite the faithful, namely the core beliefs that Christ is Lord and Savior, and that loving one's neighbor is a spiritual requirement, are most powerful than the somewhat obscure doctrinal differences that divide them. I love that last line. Thank you for 
reading yeah. that. I'm going to read that one more time because I, I love it so much. So the forces that unite the faithful, namely the core beliefs that Christ is Lord and Savior and that loving one's neighbor is a spiritual requirement, are more powerful than the somewhat obscure doctrinal differences that divide them. I was telling Kirsten before we started, I just really want this episode to emphasize how how much the Lord longs for his people to be united. In in scripture you hear Christ talking about himself as the good shepherd and saying that he so longs for all of his sheep to be in the one sheepfold and I just love love that imagery. So we're going to unpack that a little bit because that was a lot to read. Yeah. So I'm going to look over it again, but so I I was very much blown away by how many people believe in God. Like those numbers. I know, yeah. Th- that's crazy. And yes, this might have been from 7 years ago or so, but just the fact that wow, so many people believe in God is just incredible. And it reminds us that we're not yeah. we're not alone. Um and then I also appreciated that it was saying that there is like such a big problem of secularization in our world mm-hmm. and even unfortunately violence against Christians that in a way God is bringing good out of that because he's bringing Christians closer mm-hmm. together um, rather than tearing us apart like that only that only makes us closer and mm-hmm. want to like be with each other more yeah and like Kirsten was reading so yes broadly speaking there's a lot that there's a lot that led to the Protestant Reformation, and there's a lot more um, history behind that. So if you're if you're looking more for information about what the Protestant Reformation was and how Martin Luther was involved and how he split from the church in the 1500s, John Calvin, too. John Calvin all of that, go to the link in the yeah. description below and read read more about that. Google it. Um, but here we're just making making the statement that yes, it began as a reaction to corruption in Rome. Because even though Jesus Christ has established the Catholic Church, it does not mean that it's a perfect institution because it's not made of perfect people. Um, And so along with that, I wanted to make a point on Catholicism and like where that term came from as well, since clearly it's not in scripture. So where do we get that? And how can we claim that Jesus Christ instituted this church when that's when that's not in scripture. Yeah. So this source comes from EWTN Media. So if you want to read this or the entire article that we read by the USCCB, again, see links in the description below. But as far as the term Catholic and the Catholic Church, this is EWTN's brief description of that. So as mentioned in the Acts of the Apostles, it is true that the followers of Christ Um, early became known as Christians. So this is found in the book of Acts, chapter 11, verse 26. The name Christian, however, was never commonly applied to the church herself. In the New Testament, the church is simply called the church. There was only one. In that early time, there were not yet any breakaway bodies substantial enough to be rival claimants of the name and from which the church might ever have to distinguish herself. Okay? Very early... In post-apostolic times, which means after the apostles died, so the 12 apostles that we read about 
in the Acts of the Apostles, the ones whom Jesus chose, very early after they died, the church did acquire a proper name, and precisely in order to distinguish herself from rival bodies which by then were beginning to form. The name that the church acquired when it became necessary for her to have a proper name was the name by which she has been known ever since, the Catholic Church. The name appears in Christian literature for the first time around the end of the first century. By the time it was written down, it had hardly, or it had certainly already, excuse me, been in use, for the indications are that everybody understood exactly what was meant by the name when it was written, which was around the year AD 107. It says a bishop, St. Ignatius of Antioch in the Near East, was arrested, brought to Rome by armed guards, and eventually martyred there in the arena. In a farewell letter, which this early bishop and martyr wrote to his fellow Christians um, in what's now modern Turkey, he made the first written mention in history of the Catholic Church. He wrote, where the bishop is present, there is the Catholic Church. And Catholic simply means universal. So that's why he chose that. So where the bishop is present, there is the Catholic Church. Well, not... Sorry, excuse me. Not that he chose that, but why it was chosen. And so that's what he said. And where the bishop is present, there is the Catholic Church. Thus, the second century of Christianity had scarcely begun when the name of the Catholic Church was already in use. So, in a nutshell, <laughs> not not necessarily. That was a little bit packed. But that's where we are coming from when we use the terms protestantism and catholicism but that was quite a bit so kirsten did you have any thoughts or comments on on any of those things yeah well the protestant churches you can't really call it the protestant church because it's comprised of about like thousands of denominations in the u.s alone Mm -hmm. um it's pretty recent. It wasn't until about 500 years ago that it came into existence. Um, and the Catholic Church has been there since the beginning, which is something that really drew me to it. I wanted to get to the history of it and see which church Jesus founded himself mm. um, and wasn't founded by, like, another human. Yeah. So, yeah. That's um, awesome. Yeah, because... So, the reason that... Kirsten is here and why she has so graciously decided to share her story, which she just alluded to, is that she is currently in the RCIA program, which is, what does it stand for again? The Rite of Christian Initiation of Adults. Awesome. (laughs) Namely, if you are an adult but are not Catholic and want to enter the Mm -hmm. Catholic Church, it's the formation process. She is currently enrolled because she's in the process of becoming Catholic, meaning... She has not been Catholic until mm-hmm. this point in her life as she's becoming becoming Catholic. So yeah. we're going to have Kirsten share a little bit of her story with you guys and what, what brought her into this. So would you mind sharing with us, Kirsten? Yeah. So um, as Morgan mentioned, I'm in RCIA. I'm in the catechumenate right now, so I'm considered a catechumen. And basically what we do is we study the catechism, which is all of the teachings of the Catholic Church. Um, so I'm in that right now. There's four phases of RCIA. There's inquiry, which is for people who are just wanting to learn more and kind of on the edge. And then the catechumenate are for people is for people who are sure of their decision. 
third is confirmation and after that is mystagogy um, for people who, because once you get confirmed the Catholic Church doesn't want to just like send you on your own, it still wants to make sure that you have formation after being confirmed. So I love the organization of that, but anyway, so I was baptized Methodist. Um, I, my parents never reinforced the Methodist teachings though. We um, would go to church on Christmas and Easter sometimes. Like when I was younger, I remember, I remember my mom got in the habit of going every Sunday to this one Lutheran church, um, but I had never heard of Jesus ever until I was like 11 years old. Um, and I, yeah, I heard about it through like people talking in school, um, you know, middle schoolers just talking about everything. So um, what age, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what age were you baptized in the oh, Methodist the church? Okay. So yeah. as a baby. So Number. it makes sense why you hadn't heard of Jesus if you hadn't. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea. Like I, I did not understand why I was at church. It was just something to go to and like I, I was just so bored all the time and I was like, what, what is this? Why is my mom putting me through this? And I honestly don't think that she even knew why she was going. I think that it was just because of, um, like social pressures. I find that a lot of people who, um, and not even just for Protestants, but people that go to church, they consider themselves like devout, but they're just doing it for their image in a way mm. and to maybe appease um, their family members. For example, I think my mother, her main motivation behind that, um, behind going to church was to please her mother, my grandmother, um, because my grandmother is more, more in the faith, but still not very devout. So yeah, it was just like more of an image thing. And, um, it was fine and all, and I made good friends through the church. Um, we would have Sunday school, but I just don't really remember any of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't, like, I don't think I learned anything from that experience. All of those mm -hmm. years of, like, being in Protestant circles. Um, but anyways, yeah, so my grandparents are a part of a Presbyterian church, um, not far from here, and the the pastor there has a daughter who is also also a pastor. I don't mm -hmm. think they call them priests; mm -hmm. they're just pastors. And so, um, yeah, his daughter is a pastor in Texas, and she serves communion, which is not um, like a regular occurrence. Like, um, if you go to mass, the Catholic church, the Eucharist is like the pin like the pinnacle of mm -hmm. the mass but the communion is not really done on a regular basis in protestant churches um so yeah um slowly but surely i just was really curious throughout high school i um wanted to determine the meaning of life my purpose and why we're here just like everybody else um Everybody has a desire within themselves to know God. It's just a human desire. Um, so I looked into Buddhism, Jainism. I looked into... I even looked into into um, Judaism and Islam. Um, I was just like, which one 
is true because mm -hmm. they can't all be true. Truth is not plural. Truth is singular. Um, Snaps. That's so yeah. good. So true. Mm -hmm. And it can't be subjective. It can't be what you want it to be. Um, the truth is the truth. So um, yeah, I, I just started like looking into it and um, I started researching like who is Jesus? Who is this like, I hear this name all the time just from hearing people talk about it. And I'm like, but who is this person? And so I, I fell in love with Jesus. And at first, I would go to a lot of Protestant churches because it's all that I knew. And I kind of grew up, like, my dad was baptized Catholic. He grew up Roman Catholic. Um, but he is not in the faith at all. Like he's not practicing at all. And he would bash the Catholic Church a lot. Mm -hmm. Like growing up, I he would always say negative things. And even now, he doesn't like the church. Um, so I, I had this like bad image of the Catholic Church of like priests like hurting altar boys and yeah. things like that because that's all that I ever heard. And um, I didn't know what it really was about. So. Yeah, my um, my dad like really turned me off from the Catholic Church, and I I was a part of like a non denomina non denominational church for a while, um, which is basically not affiliated with any um, official like doctrine. There's no like set of organization. There's no bishops or anything, or it's just like kind of like a free for all in a way. Um, but um, yeah, so I was a part of that, and I, I started to realize, like, when I would go to the service on Sundays, a lot of, like, th like the minister was talking about social issues a lot, and um, would go down the route of talking about, like, things that just aren't biblical. Mm. And I was like, um, well, I read Genesis. I've read all of these different things that Jesus said himself. And what they're saying simply does not align with scripture. So I, I, I stopped going there. I wasn't, I was very turned off by that. And then for months, I was just kind of on my own, doing my own thing, praying on my own in my room. And um, yeah, I, I researched um, which church Jesus founded, and it led me here. So I'm very happy that I've come here and I've found the truth. And um, the thing I love about the Roman Catholic Church is the authority and how set it is on reinforcing it among its believers and followers and um, making sure that there's no ambiguity, mm -hmm. um, which happens oftentimes with the Protestant churches, like um, a lot of the... Protestants are just led to believe in what they want to believe and not really one specific um, doctrine or teaching. So I, I really appreciate the organization of the Roman Catholic Church and the catechism especially has been very helpful to me. So Praise God. Yeah. And how old are you, Kirsten? I'm 20. <laughs> She's 20. Like, oh my gosh. Praise be Jesus Christ. They're like you as such a young person have had this mm -hmm. incredible experience just in the last several years, honestly, yeah. of your life. Like, mm -hmm. that's so amazing that you had this desire for truth that you recognize. Because I think so many, everyone has a desire for truth, but I think so many young people in our generation 
can can get so lost. Like I know yeah. that I have gotten lost in my life and everyone makes mistakes, has times in their life where they might doubt or they might stray. But in our world, yes, it's so easy to become involved in all of these things that stifle that desire for mm-hmm. truth and that that longing for more and wanting to know like you said what what is actually true not just my truth because that's something we hear yeah. said so much is okay well I can have my truth and you can have your truth mm-hmm. okay well yeah. if we are operating on like truth meaning like this fact yeah factual like okay two plus two is four for me but it's also going to be four for you and not because either of us like the number four but because it just is that's how it is how it is yeah (laughs) you know and and so many people have this weird tendency to make religion a personal thing as it should be in part because it is a relationship and Mm -hmm. relationships are personal and they are intimate. And so God, like Jesus Christ is a person. So it's personal in that sense, but that it's also truth and that truth hurts. And just like people in our lives who we love sometimes can hurt us. Mm -hmm. God doesn't want us to be hurt in the sense that like, he's hurting us but sometimes it hurts to have to admit oh i'm wrong and in order to humble ourselves yeah to humble ourselves in order to conform Mm -hmm. to what's actually good true and beautiful according to him who is truth goodness beauty itself like that's awesome so thank Mm -hmm. you so much for sharing of course sharing that story with us so what i want to talk about a little bit next is something that you shared with me earlier another thing that really drew you into the church because i was sharing with kirsten i had another friend that i met about a year ago who she in a similar vein had been protestant but had decided to become catholic through her own pursuit of truth yeah and really quick disclaimer so because i i had a couple people I've met at this point in my life who were Protestant but didn't know that and had never heard the term. Mm-hmm. Protestant is a term that, correct me if I'm wrong, it's it's kind of like an umbrella term, yes. meaning that you are a Christian who isn't Catholic. Yeah. And that that there are thousands of denominations under that umbrella, and it's not like you can Google, like, closest Protestant church, and you go to the church, and the sign says Protestant church. No. It's just, it's a term comparable to vehicle. There is not going to be a vehicle that you see parked on the street that says vehicle on it. You're going to see Ford or Toyota. SUVs and minivans. Right. And, And, like, brand names, stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. so you're not going to see the word vehicle yeah. on a vehicle, but you, <laughs> what, what we all understand, that's what they are. Right. So in the same way, Protestant is just encompassing all of the Christian denominations in the world that are not Catholic. Because again, the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s was this break from the Catholic Church. So this is now the umbrella term for any yeah. Christian who's not a Catholic. So... Another one of my friends that I met this past year who was Protestant, I don't remember. I want to say she was Methodist or Lutheran, but I can't remember. But she was a Protestant denomination. She was becoming Catholic because she had attended 
St. Louis University or SLU and had met a lot of Catholics and had wanted to come into the church on her own. And when I was asking her, like, what led her to the church, she had these three things that I just loved. And so I wanted to unpack that with Kirsten a little bit. So the first one, the first thing she said that I loved, she was like, I couldn't get over the fact that we left. Because I think many Protestants don't know how their church came about. I think many Catholics don't know how the church came about. Mm-hmm. It's very easy, I think, for us to grow up in whatever faith tradition we're raised in and be like, oh, this is the truth just because I'm too young to reason on my own yeah. and search for truth. Yeah. So. When she had been raised, she was like, okay, I guess this is just how it is. But then her, her search for truth in college like led her to the Catholic Church, and she learned the history of Protestantism, mm-hmm. Catholicism, etc. And she was like, I can't get over the fact that we left. And so that was very powerful for her. That was very, very much part of her story and what started turning her toward the Catholic Church. The second thing she said was, Eventually, so she started going to Mass a lot with her friends and was just very in awe of everything that was happening. And she said another reason that led her to finally like enter RCIA like Kirsten is in, she was like, I got tired of not being Catholic. Like, I just wanted to be Catholic. Because she's yeah. like, at that point, I, I couldn't deny the truth of everything around me in the church whenever I was, like, I had it explained to me. So she's like, I was tired of not being Catholic. And then the third thing, so Kirsten referenced this earlier, that the Eucharist is the pinnacle of the Catholic faith because we believe it's the real presence of Christ. Um, My other friend said that for her and in her conversion, it was really all about the Eucharist, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. But when I was sharing that with Kirsten earlier, you you had something else come to mind for you, though. Would you want to share that? Yeah, so, like, it was the Eucharist for her that attracted her, Mm -hmm. but for me, of course it was the Eucharist, but it was mainly the sacrament of confession and penance, because in my Protestant churches and non-denominational churches, sin wasn't really even addressed. Like, in the Catholic Church, we have the venial and the mortal sins. Like, it's all very clearly laid out. But in the Protestant churches, it's like, well, you sinned. It's just the same as any other sin. Like, if you steal candy from your mom, it's just the same as killing another Mm -hmm. person. Um, So there's no, like, differentiation between that. Um, And there is no confession. There's no such thing as that where people um, who confess their sins can receive absolution. Um, So that, for me, was very, um, very attractive to me about the Roman Catholic Church is that I can know in a way that I've been forgiven for my sins. through talking with somebody who has received that grace from God to guide me towards holiness. So for me, it's just been so rewarding to know that there is forgiveness. God has mercy. And um, sins are real. Sin is real. Yeah, (laughs) it's not, it's not, yeah. Yeah, so... And I find that, like, with a lot of Protestant churches, they just want to talk about positivity and, like, Mm -hmm. they portray Jesus as this, like, hippie that, like, Mm -hmm. just kind of did his own thing and meditated and whatever. But Mm -hmm. he's so much more than that. He also had righteous anger. He had, you know, he was was 
fully human mm-hmm. and also divine. And he he showed that God has emotions. Mm-hmm. God gets upset with us. Um, and Jesus was he yes he he his very nature is love, but he's because he loves us so much. He gets angry with us because he yeah. wants what is best for us. So right, which is awesome, and I love that that is a big part that drew you into the church yeah. because even as someone who's been Catholic, so I was baptized Catholic mm-hmm. a month after I was born. It's been such such a journey growing personally because I didn't even even though I'd heard of Jesus my whole life, like yeah. I didn't have a personal relationship with him. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say um, that was that had like real depth that I was aware of yeah. until maybe eighth grade or freshman year. So yeah. I I love that confession drew you in because that, yeah, that was something that even though I started receiving that sacrament in second grade as well as the Eucharist was not something that really sunk in for mm-hmm. a number of years after that. Yeah. So I think it can be very tempting either, even for Catholics to make Jesus into just this hippie or to not emphasize confession I it's very sad but I have so many family members and friends who say that they're Catholic and I couldn't tell you the last time they went to confession it it has maybe been 10 or 20 years so mm -hmm. so it's tempting for anyone um even members of the church to not really understand that so thank you for sharing your story and just praise God that 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 has hit your heart personally mm-hmm. and of course hopefully this video can help hit the hearts of others as well yeah. the last thing we want to talk about since we don't have a ton of time left with y'all but we want to give some practical how to's maybe for catholics especially um for welcoming people into the church and and bridging that that gap because at least for me i admitted this to kirsten before we started filming it's, it's shameful, but true, and I hadn't really thought about this for a number of years, but as someone who grew up in a very small town in the Midwest that was very largely Catholic, at least by name, and in the sense that everybody kind of claimed to be Catholic, maybe not everybody went to Mass, but everybody was Catholic, and I went to the Catholic school, so all my friends were Catholic, mm-hmm. and then I went to a Catholic college, so <laughs> I have just not had encounters with many people throughout my mm-hmm. life um other than like you know friends and co-workers or co-workers and passing jobs and stuff like who were not catholic and so yeah. um we we want to talk about maybe how to bridge that gap mm-hmm. because sometimes i think there's fear there like yeah. again going back to the whole my truth Thing. It's like, oh, I can believe this and you can believe that and we just won't talk about religion. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's no way to yeah. heal the church and that doesn't heal the heart of Christ. No, so, yeah. so, Kirsten, what, mm-hmm. are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, what do you want to so share? So, I knew this mother. This She was a very good friend of mine. And um, she is a very devout Catholic. She would pray three rosaries a day, go to Latin Mass every week. Um, just you could tell that she loved the Lord and she wanted to live out the Catholic faith as well as possible. And um, the thing that really struck me when I first met her is that she refused to associate with people who were not Catholic. She was very 
even like outspoken about it like she was proud that she didn't have any friends who weren't catholic like there was she was very prideful about it um like almost as if it was some sort of like prize like all my social circles are catholic what about you um it was kind of kind of like condescending in a way um because at the end of the day people who don't know the faith still need a friend they still need mm. to know the love that the Lord has for them. And um, maybe we can be that one person who changes their their life and we can help guide them to the faith. Um, but something that I have found in my experience is that in the beginning, I was very forceful and I would try to like shove my beliefs down people's throats. And something that's been really helpful to me is getting to know the person without talking about the faith in the beginning. Um, just becoming really good friends with them and making a connection that isn't based on um, my personal convictions. Um, and then later on, once they have built up more trust with you, mm -hmm. you can kind of slowly but surely talk about it and be more open about it. Um, so it's about curating friendships and gaining people's mm -hmm. trust. Um, and it's simply not Christian to like reject people just because they don't align with what you believe in. Mm -hmm. Um, that is not what Jesus would have wanted. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that just being open to talk to everyone and being filled to the brim with joy um, just like radiating the Holy Spirit and being in a total state of constellation and just outpouring of love towards everyone is the best way to um, go into those situations and praying that God gives you the right wisdom mm -hmm. um, in order to speak to those people properly um, in all from a place of compassion and sensitivity to where they're coming from as well because some people may have had really bad experiences with the Catholic Church. We don't know. Right. So Right. We, I don't have the gift of reading souls. I don't know if you have the gift of reading <laughs> souls, but absolutely. You have no idea where someone is coming from. And you mentioned the term consolation. And mm -hmm. yeah, sometimes it, it's so easy when we feel joyful or I feel happy to want to go befriend someone. I know that yeah. one example I have recently in my life is when I encounter someone who is either homeless or simply begging on the street. And sure, it's easy on the days where I feel joyful and I'm in a state of consolation to go talk to that person. Yeah. But even on the days where I see them and I'm like, Lord, there's that man again. And I'm just not feeling it today. Like, I don't want to go up to him. It's like, even more so in those moments, like mm -hmm. the Lord calls us outside of ourselves. Like think of Jesus on the cross, pouring himself out for us. That certainly didn't feel good. But yeah, just yeah. the fact that I love how you said everyone needs a friend. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if they're Catholic yeah. or simply Christian or not. Everyone needs a friend. An example of this in my own life that has changed my view on these things in many ways was last summer when I didn't even know how badly I needed a friend. I was living in this small town mm -hmm. and this woman moved in next door to me, this young woman a few years younger than me, and I had I had this thought or I had this 
inspiration probably is a better way to say it come to my heart and I felt like the Holy Spirit was asking me to go befriend her and I had all of these doubts and questions come up like but Lord what if she's weird or what if she's not very nice like very very silly vain things at first but then also thoughts like what if she's not Catholic or what if she doesn't even say she's Christian what if she doesn't love Jesus what am I supposed to do then how am I supposed to love her And it was just on my heart, and it was like he was telling me, just go. And I love how Kirsten was saying that it comes from prayer as well, like pray for the wisdom and pray for the opportunity. So it was funny, I was on my way home from adoration one day, shortly after she moved in, and it was on my heart. It was like, go write her a note. Like, go write a note and put it on her door and invite her. (laughs) This is a silly story, but... St. Louis Blues, it was the St. Louis, or the summer of the St. Louis Blues, we're in like, oh, I don't know, sports, I feel so stupid. The finals, whatever, it was like the third game of the finals, whatever. Okay, Stanley Cup, great, okay. Final, finals for that. Um, it was like game three, whatever. And it was like, just invite her up, invite her up to your apartment for that later tonight. And I was like, what the heck, God, like seriously, like this is so random, mm-hmm. but I did it. And she came, and long story short, if you remember, oh, I did not look up this episode, but I'll post it in the in the description below. It's the episode with my friends Megan and Destiny um, on There's No Such Thing as a Dream Job. That's how I met my friend Megan. That is how I met my friend Megan. And she's amazing. She is amazing, and we've been friends ever since. But it was that moment of, but what if? And it mm-hmm. turns out, Megan was Christian. Um, she's non denominational Christian. And up until that point in my life, I really had not had um, maybe more than one or a couple friends throughout my entire life who weren't Catholic. Yeah. And so meeting Megan was this very profound experience of me um, and this realization of like how much, um, yeah, the, like the Christians are called to come mm-hmm. together because I started a Bible study that summer. And she and a couple other of my friends, some who were Catholic, some who were not, who were just like Christian, like came together for this Bible study and all across the board, undeniably, like grew closer to God through this Bible study. And it it had to be this thought of like, okay, Morgan, like, let God be God. Like, let God do his thing. You don't have to know why you're all becoming friends. Mm -hmm. And even if in my heart of hearts, I want them to enter the Catholic Church. I want every person in the world to become Catholic because it's the fullness of the truth um, that I I can just love my friends and that can be all and that I can trust them and their salvation to the Lord um, just like my own and like my family's and my other friends. So that was a very powerful experience for me. Um, As well as also, I was sharing this with Kirsten earlier, as well as also being open to even dating mm-hmm. men oh, who yeah. weren't Catholic <laughs> because that was not ever a thing on my radar until very recently when I had a lot of experiences since last summer that, yeah, just made me made me realize, like, I am not, again, I'm not God. And His ways are not our ways, but you hear so many stories of men and women um who who yeah just like get into relationships with people who might not be the same religion as them but like convert 
Yeah, and either they convert or just, like, they are so drawn to God and, like, transcended through yeah. that relationship. Yeah. And if if we aren't open to God working in that way, not only are we being prejudiced mm-hmm. and prideful, but as my friend Brother Levin said in the, in the video and episode we made on dating advice from a monk, um, he said we're even resisting the will of God possibly in those yeah in those instances so it's yeah it's very possible just to go off of that yeah uh, it's very possible that god may want to use you in that person's life to bring them to the church and you may be their saving grace in a way um you may be that one person that they will ever know that is that is catholic mm-hmm. so being an example for people and um like, you obviously don't want to flirt to convert. That's a real thing. But, um... That people try to do. Not that it's a good thing. But yes. Yeah. Like, you're so like, <laughs> Yeah. It's a thing that mm-hmm. people will say, but it's not a good... Yeah. No, don't flirt to convert. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, just be open to God's will and what he, how he wants to use you in various ways in other people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. And that all starts with prayer. Mm-hmm. And it ends with it as well. So, you want to close in prayer? Yeah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much to Kirsten for coming on and being a part of this episode. Thank Thank you for having me. Of course. This was fun. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story. It is such a beautiful testament and witness to what God can do (laughs) in his providence. So if you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, please like this video and comment below with how the Lord really struck you, whether that was through Kirsten's story specifically or something else that we shared. If you had a friend or family member come to mind as you were watching or listening, please forward this, send this, share it with them because maybe this is what they needed to hear today as well and you can be that instrument in their life. Until then, we look forward to seeing you guys back here next time. God bless. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Joy and Hope podcast, where we seek to bring light to the dark. If you enjoy our mission, we would love for you to become a patron on Patreon. Our patrons are what make it possible for us to continue doing Joy and Hope full-time, bringing you the inspiring creative content that uplifts you to live more joyful, hopeful lives. So please consider supporting us. Thanks so much for being here today. God bless and see you next time.